When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to my 200th with a TH episode of Dunzo, it is me, Troy McEady, a.k.a. Sissy Spacek, a.k.a. Nick Nolte, a.k.a. Shelley Duvall, <laughs> a.k.a. Troy Mahihu, Gary Busey. All of my alter personalities came to join me today to host this very special episode. I cannot fucking believe we made it. We made it to 200. Apologies in advance if this sounds weird or... If you hear background noise or if there's like, they're doing construction across the street from me. Um, But this is my first time recording in my new apartment. So I don't really know how to gauge what it'll sound like. I guess we'll see. Um, But you know, if you hear men jackhammering across the street, just know that I have no control over it. Can we talk about the fact that this is like a joking milestone that I used to say all the time when we get to episode 200 or whatever? And now we're here, and I really honestly can't believe it. I promise you, on my life, it still feels like I started recording this podcast two weeks ago, sitting in my closet with my Blue Yeti that I got from Amazon like a week before because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, feeling like I had just completely lost my mind because I agreed to host a podcast alone every single week with absolutely no experience at all. (laughs) not even a moment in front of a microphone and four years later you guys are still here and i'm so incredibly appreciative of you this podcast has changed my life in so many ways that i i can't even really put into words um and i just so many of you have been here since day one literally since the first day of my podcast when it was just a little patreon nothing you know what i mean like literally just like a dumb idiot in a closet talking about britney spears and somehow you guys have made it the entire way through and i just i love you i also just want to take this moment to say thank you to the people who have appeared on this podcast you know two three four nine times in some cases russ martin i'm looking at you um the people who have willingly done insane amounts of notes and research for me and, you know, listen to full albums and watch the movies and, you know, whatever the case may be. People like, I said, Russ Martin, Dara Lane, Cara Berry, Liz Bentley, the Lisa to my Bart, um, Christina Lasque, Brandon Alvarado, Jesse Chambly. Um, there's way too many people to name, but like so many people are responsible for this podcast having um, become whatever it is now. And the spirit of this show is like it's so much thanks to other people not just me and obviously i have to say thank you to nicole for being a part of this like daily thing you know nicole is very much in the trenches with me every single day because she helps produce this show and of course molly because you know four years ago i was an idiot with a bunch of opinions and molly was like hey want to do a podcast with no experience and gave me this platform and I'm forever grateful. Um, I just, I honestly, I, just, I can't believe that it's been four years. Like, what? So anyway, last week I asked you guys to submit questions for a mailbag episode because I figured the 200th episode, like, I just want to, I kind of just want to talk directly to you and hear from you. So I'm going to go through all of your questions and answer your things. And we have a good amount of really, really funny questions to get through. So I just want to kind of get into it without further ado. I also feel like I should say before we really get started that um, a lot of you asked me or have been asking me if we're going to pick up our girl group series or if I'll ever finish doing the Cheetah Girls or whatever. And the answer is absolutely yes. 
obviously, you know, Britney Spears has had her heel on my throat for the past few weeks, and we got a little sidetracked, but I definitely want to pick up where we left off. I definitely want to talk about the Cheetah Girls. Obviously, you know, I want to talk about Danity Kane. I want to talk about Dream. Um, I mean, if we can find a way to talk more about Destiny's Child more than we already did in our Beyonce series, I would love that. It ain't over. <laughs> it's not over. We are definitely doing more girl groups. Okay, so this first question is from Sarah Erickson. Hopefully it's okay that I'm reading your last name. It says, hey, Troy, I hope I'm not somehow totally overlooking an episode where you talked in depth about her, but I'm just so curious to know your thoughts on Selma Blair. I was watching Cruel Intentions a few weeks ago and realized that for some reason I constantly forget she exists. I don't know what to think about her. Like, she's truly an enigma and I don't know why. Okay, I love you and hope you're doing wonderful. Post congrats on 200 episodes. What a milestone. Thank you for everything you do. Love, Sarah. Fun. Thank you, Sarah, for that message. Um, okay, Selma Blair. Let me collect my thoughts for a second. Let me literally pause and, like, think. Okay, by pause and think, I actually meant just put a cough drop in my mouth. Of course, on the top of my head, I can tell you what I think about Selma Blair. Beautiful, talented, funny, smart, underrated. Um, it makes me so sad that an entire generation of people don't really know her. Like, there's a whole generation of younger people who, who didn't get to experience Selma Blair in her glory. Um, I think it's crazy that she always played like 10 years younger and I do think we also as a generation missed out on Selma Blair doing really serious roles because I think Selma Blair could be really, I mean, I, I know she's done like dramas and stuff, but like, I don't know. I just think that Selma Blair's career was almost maybe a missed opportunity in many ways. Um, I just, I love her. I just think that she is just like the most charming, like, I just want to like swaddle her up. And there's something about her acting, I don't know how to describe it, but it just gives me very, like, effortless, like, Juliette Lewis, like, just charming, charming, charming the house. I also became really obsessed with following her MS diagnosis on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure I cried when she shaved her head. Like, I just, I'm actually really weirdly obsessed with her, so it's funny that you mentioned her randomly, but, uh, yeah, I love Selma Blair, and... I think that there's like, there's still space for her. Like, I would welcome a Selma Blair film into my life. This next question is from Carrie Sheehan. It says, hey Troy, huge fan, question for you that I think about a lot. Will Lindsay Lohan ever have a real comeback? Let's all agree that the answer is no. Does she deserve one? Again, probably not. I guess my real questions are, the wasted potential amazing comedic actress could have been Emma Stone's career talking points are true. Or was being washed up always her destiny based on her talent? Misha Barton falls into this category as well. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you for that question, Carrie. Um, well, I do not think that Lindsay's life was her fate. I don't think the way Lindsay's life turned out was what it was always meant to be. I think Lindsay Lohan is very talented. I think she's very deserving of a career because she's been working since she was a baby. So I think, you know, at this point, it's sad that she can't, like, after so many years in the business, I think it's sad that she can't just, like, you know, do a project. Or, like, you know, she has to, like, beg people to call her. And obviously that's all her career undoing is her fault, right? But at the same time, it's like, I don't think Lindsay stood a chance. Like, she's one of those classic child stars who came into the industry with a bunch of skeletons in her closet. And, you know, making money for a bunch of drunk adults. And... I think Lindsay was taken advantage of at a really young age. I think that Lindsay had a lot working against her. And to be honest, I think the fact that she's even still alive is like a blessing and it's crazy. As far as her career goes, I don't think this was what was supposed to happen with Lindsay Lohan at all. This is a girl who, you know, in the beginning of her career was in a movie with like Meryl Streep. You know what I mean? And now it would be a big deal if she was like a guest on the fucking Pioneer Woman. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll always have a, a soft spot in my heart for Lindsay. I'll always feel bad for her. I'll always root for her. I think it's a generational thing. I feel like if you're of a certain age, if you are a millennial, you've just sort of been, I don't know, like we've been, I wouldn't say brainwashed, but it's like Lindsay Lohan now has a career of potential comeback. Like her second career is that of a person who could come back. And we've been waiting for 12 years to see if she'll come back, whatever that even means anymore. So I don't know. At this point, I honestly don't know. 
I think it would be really cool if Lindsay just leaned into like the nostalgia of it all. Sorry, by the way, my refrigerator is literally from 1930. <laughs> it looks like Donald Draper's refrigerator, so it randomly comes on and makes really weird noises. But anyway, I'm always rooting for Lindsay, and I'll always root for her uh, to, to answer your question, I guess. This next question is from Jess, and it looks like it's actually a voice note, so I'll go ahead and pop it in here. Hi, Troy. It's Jess here, and I was just wondering... What is something you have absolutely no evidence for, but you believe to be true involving any kind of celebrity drama or maybe reasons behind why a celebrity acts the way they do? Thanks. Okay, this is a really good question because I feel like there's so many possible answers. Like, I'm almost overwhelmed by giving just one. Um, So I'll just say, I was literally just watching TV and Paris Hilton was like on like E or something. So I'll just say that I think without having any evidence because I have never met Paris Hilton, I think that Paris is somebody who, you know, in this rebrand of Paris Hilton, right, where people now think that she's like this soft-spoken businesswoman or whatever. (laughs) Just a woman running an empire and running 12 businesses and a visa. Um, I think... Paris Hilton used to be a real Regina George, where if you're a person of a particular age, you know that, right? But I also feel like Paris used to, like, in a really dark way, almost enjoy seeing people get, I'll say, just strung out. You know what I mean? Like, Paris strikes me as the kind of girl who would know that her friend is, like, taking things too far or partying a little bit too much, or, like, becoming addicted to something, and she would help the person lean into it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that Paris is, like, really sinister. I know that Paris is very sinister. You know what I mean? In my spirit. And we can all, you know, pretend that she's this angel now, but, like, I think that Paris has done some really horrific, rotted, gutted to the core things to people. And, you know, I would say maybe one day we'll we'll find out, but, like, We do know that because it's all over the internet and everybody has just forgotten. So I don't know if that answers your question, really. (laughs) But it sounds like I just wanted an excuse to vent about Paris Hilton because that's a journey that I've been on recently. Um, Thank you. This next question is from my friend Zach. And I'm actually going to give Zach's YouTube a little shout out before I read his question because... So you guys know that I love a vlog. I'm a vlog girl. Like, I love a well-put-together, well-edited vlog i think that vlogging is like the one thing on youtube that will never change it will always be popular and it will always be the thing that like i don't know brings me back to youtube like trends come and go but a good vlog channel is forever right so zach has a youtube channel called uh the adventures of zach and well the adventures of z and b or i think if you just search azb it pops right up and it's him and his husband they vlog their lives. They've been vlogging their lives for a million years. It's so good. It's so good. And I'm not even like a couple's vlog kind of person. I don't really watch people's like family vlogs or whatever. But Zach and his husband are just so endearing. They're so... It's it's just really, really good, honest, real content. You'll, it's really easy to get sucked in. I've watched a million videos Zach is also a real hardcore Britney fan, which I appreciate. They're both just like pop culture nerds, and it's just really cute. And he also has a podcast called My Bloody Judy, which is a horror podcast that we are trying to like link up and figure out dates as far as when I will be on it, because it's a horror podcast, hello. And then he has a morning show that I'm also obsessed with called Coffee and Tequila. So Zach is literally like running a an internet empire, um, but... Yeah, he's great. Check out all of his things. It's it's all really good content. Okay, so Zach said, I have two for consideration. What's your bigger ambitions for the podcast? And obviously a Britney question. As we all know, she didn't get the role in The Notebook. If you could have put her in any film, what would, oh my God, what would it have been considering her strengths and weaknesses? Okay, all right. <laughs> Let me just take a minute. Um, I'll answer the easy one first. My ambitions for the podcast At this point, I'm in a place of just letting this podcast become whatever it's supposed to become. There's a lot of, like, fun things that go on behind the scenes with this podcast that I'm, like, I can't talk about um, that are really exciting. And I hope that they 
happen and that things come into fruition and I get to tell you guys about it one day. But there are things going on with the podcast that I really, I'm really excited about. I have really high hopes for. And I guess that's all I can say about it. <laughs> that's so annoying. Ew, I hate when people do that. But you know what I mean. I don't want to like, whatever. I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm in a place where just letting the podcast turn into whatever it's supposed to become. When I first started recording this, my goal was to literally finish a month of recording because that felt so unimaginable to me to do this every week for a month. And four years later, here we are. I also remember very specifically and very vividly um, messaging Russ Martin in the middle of the night and being like, it would be so cool if I could get one ad. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? So I just kind of let things happen. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that was a huge milestone. And I didn't even realize it, you know? So I don't know. I hope that answers your question. (laughs) As far as the movie that I could see Britney doing, and this is going to be very surprising and very shocking and very random to you guys. But I could totally see Britney doing, especially like a young, vivacious, you know, ingenue Britney. I could see her doing, you're going to be like, what the fuck? I could see Britney doing like an Alabama whirly kind of gig. Do you know what I mean? Picture like a bubbly, goofy, younger Britney as Alabama whirly. Just picture it. Can you see Britney in cow print? Hello? To me, it makes sense. And I feel like Patricia Arquette, the reason that that role is so iconic, by the way, I'm talking about the movie True Romance. If you've never seen it, or if you have seen it and you love it, I covered that movie on this podcast with my friend Vanessa Cordero. But, um, you know, when you think about Alabama Whirly and what Patricia Arquette brought to that role, like the greatest thing about it was that it felt so natural and it felt like she wasn't acting. And she was so intensely in that character that it felt like it was just her. And I feel like Britney could pull that off if somebody said, just be yourself on camera, you know? Because she's so charming and so, um, like, magnetic in front of a camera. So my answer is Alabama Whirly. (laughs) Oh, I guess I should also mention that you can follow Zach on Instagram at Zach Patton Garcia. It's Z-A-C-H-P-A-T-T-O-N and then Garcia. Zach, thank you for the question. And now I'm just going to obsessively be thinking about Britney as Alabama Whirly for the rest of my life. Um, Also, I'm going to, for sure, I'm going to have Zach on this podcast. And we have a really, really, really good Britney idea planned. Something I've never done that I know you guys will fucking live for. All very exciting. (laughs) Okay, this next question is from Kirsten Dickinson. It says, hey, Troy, who is your ideal celebrity couple slash match made in heaven? And who is your favorite train wreck couple? Excited for the episode, Kirsten. Okay, so my favorite train wreck celebrity couple will always be Whitney and Bobby. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, you want to talk about a couple that was hilarious, like in many ways, I think fun to be around, um, a, a magnetic in their own right. Just like two, you know, superstars in a, in a relationship where, I mean, I won't even, listen, <laughs> you guys know how I get about Whitney and Bobby, so I won't even do that, but it's Whitney and Bobby. Like, they're just, the impact that they had on, like, celebrity culture, on media, on just everything, on, on, unfortunately, on their own careers, you know, it's, it's wild. So, Whitney and Bobby, for sure. I mean, they are the king and queen of train wreck celebrity couples, and... My ideal celebrity couple, hmm, this is totally random, but I want Jennifer Aniston to just, like, openly date a woman. I also, I guess this kind of answers the question from earlier of, like, something that I have no proof of that I believe to be true. Um, I believe that Jennifer Aniston has dated women. Like, there's just this part of me that feels like Jennifer has has dipped her toe into the lady pond. I have no proof of that. I just believe it for some reason. And I would really love for Jennifer Aniston to have, like, a public relationship with a woman. Like, I want Jennifer Aniston to date, like, Sarah Paulson. Can you imagine how iconic that would be? Sarah Paulson and somebody like Jennifer Aniston? I know that that's completely random and out of left field, but, like, that's something that I've thought about for a long time, is Jennifer Aniston being in an open relationship with, like, a beautiful woman. This next question is from Melissa. 
It says, hi, gorgeous. I could listen to you gab about the best years of our collective pop culture lives forever. Thank you for being you. Here is my question. You have to form a super group made of five women who were members of girl groups in the mid to late 90s slash 2000s. The group can span genres. What? Oh my God. Who are the members? And what is the super group's name? Love, Melissa. Holy shit. Well, Melissa, you've given me something to think about. So I'm going to pause my recording and I'm going to take out a notepad of paper and I'm going to take this very seriously and I will be right back. With the magic of editing, I'm back. Okay, so I wrote down my list of gals and I have a name. (laughs) The first one will absolutely shock you to your bone and it's Michelle Williams. Yes, I said it. Michelle Williams. First of all, Michelle Williams actually has a beautiful voice. As Beyonce would say, it's sweet. And I really love, I've, as I've gotten older, I've grown to really love the Michelle parts of Destiny's Child's songs. Let me cater to you. They're fun. It's like fun to sing. And I just think her voice is really, actually really pretty. Um, and it would be cool to see Michelle be able to like, maybe be the lead of a group. Like it'd be interesting to see what she's like as an artist in a group where she isn't being upstaged by Beyonce all the fucking time because hello, it's Beyonce. The next member of my super group is Mel B. And there are several reasons. For one thing, Mel B actually is not my favorite Spice Girl, but Mel B is fucking incredible. I love the raspy, like deep, like, oh, that like sultriness in her voice. She's the coolest voice. Um, And I've always, I mean, obviously if you're a person of a particular age, like you know, that Mel B always wanted to turn every Spice Girl song into an R&B song, um, respectfully. And all of the R&B songs that the Spice Girls released always felt so Mel B. Um, so it would be cool to see her in a girl group where it's R&B forward and she gets to just be that girl. You know what I mean? And I don't know, there's just something about seeing Mel B like shoulder popping around you know what I mean and like doing the Mel B thing like she's just she's just fucking great my third member is Natori Naughton and it's for several reasons for one thing she's talented beautiful and smart and you know as a a 16 17 year old girl she was light years ahead in maturity (laughs) like so ahead of her time um and you know she was dealt a shitty hand she didn't deserve the experience that she had in a girl group. I can't imagine how traumatizing that whole thing was. And, you know, it's sad that at the end of her being in 3LW, they like iced her out and she was edited out of the music videos and her parts and all the songs were really small. Um, It's just shitty. So I think that she deserves a second go at being in a girl group that actually wants her to be in the group. My fourth member is Left Eye, obviously. You can't have an R&B girl group without a rapper and Left Eye is the greatest girl group rapper of all time and just generally one of the greatest rappers in the history of fucking sound. Um, I feel like that one is kind of self-explanatory. Like what Left Eye brought to TLC was just so... I don't think Left Eye gets enough credit for how incredibly intelligent she was. Like... When you listen to the lyrics that she raps, they're just beyond, they're just beyond comprehension. Like it it takes years sometimes to even really grasp like what she's saying. Like Left Eye was a poet and a lyricist on like a Lauryn Hill level. And she just so happened to be a fucking incredible rapper. So Left Eye for sure. My last and final member will come as absolutely no surprise to you. You have been waiting to hear me say her name, and I will finally put you out of your misery. Of course, it's Aubrey O'Day. Hello. And it's for no reason aside from the fact that Aubrey is messy. And you need a messy member of a girl group that will inevitably um, cause the destruction and downfall of the group at the end of the day. And that's Aubrey's role. Aubrey is meant to be a celebrity because she's so magnetic and she is so just, you can't take your eyes off of her for better or for worse. She's messy. And yeah, she she would inevitably be the downfall of this incredible group. Oh, and the name of the group would be Second Chances for obvious reason. I really hope that answers your question. <laughs> Thank you for this incredible, incredible question. Okay, this next question is from... 
Rio Alexis. It says, Hi Troy, I know I've messaged you on Insta and added you on Twitter to give praise unto you on many an occasion, but I just want to thank you so much for this podcast and this mushroom to Dunzo Pipeline. It's more than something to look forward to. It's a total it's a totally wild amalgam amalgamation of knowledge and referentiality in un unadulterated camp that is so true to the 2000s pop culture you bring to us. So thanks so much and love and love you loads. That was like the nicest compliment ever. I also have a question. If you had to choose three if you had to choose your top three favorite celeb blind items, which would they be and why? Love and floral arrangements from Rio. Man, that was really sweet. Um, okay. Ugh, okay, I don't know if I could pick three specific blind items, but I can pick three people that I like to read blind items about, and I can tell you why. And uh, yeah, so let me think for a second, actually. Okay, so the first person that I love to read blind items about is Zac Efron. And if you listen to Beyond the Blinds, the podcast that I do with Kelly Williams from Nostalgia and Now, um, well, you know, there's a lot going on in Zach's life. I think it's really interesting when celebrities live completely double lives. And Zach Efron is somebody who, I mean, quite literally has a completely different life privately than what anybody would ever expect. His persona as a movie star is that i mean it's exactly that it's like an mgm old school old hollywood like made up persona and it's all complete bullshit and his actual life is so messy and dark and just like oh my god zach efron if you don't read blind items zach efron is a really great place to start for the love of god another person i really enjoy reading old blind items about is angelina jolie um Angelina lived a really, really, really crazy life, like, right before she really made it big in Hollywood and at the very beginning as well. But before Angelina was, like, a name, she, I mean, she lived 20 million lives. Uh, she was a dominatrix and she was into all these heavy drugs and um, she's she has a lot of really, really interesting old blind items to read. Just crazy stories shit that you would you can never imagine and it just makes me feel like she's another one that has such a you know studio old hollywood version of her life that she presents as this doting mother who travels to you know third world countries and saves children um and then there's the other Angelina, <laughs> who's still there, by the way. Like, I, I'll never believe that Angelina is completely reformed. I just don't believe it. I don't think it's in her, you know? But I do think that she got really smart and stopped living her life so publicly. And I guess good for her. But she's another one that, again, if you don't read blind items, start with Angelina. And the last and final person, I guess this may not come as any surprise to you, but... Oof, Aaron Carter is the king of blind items. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, Aaron Carter is the blind item king. Like, he just... I love reading... Well, let me take that back. I don't love the stuff that I read about Aaron Carter as a teenager. But I do love knowing more. Um, Aaron Carter has such interesting links to so many people in Hollywood. And, again, this is something I just feel weird saying on this podcast now. But now I have an outlet, so you should definitely listen to Beyond the Blinds. Because Kelly and I talk about this stuff every week. And we release two episodes a week. Um, but, yeah, Aaron Carter is somebody who, you know... Yeah, oh, I feel... I don't know what to say. Aaron Carter just has some really dark shit out there on the internet that... It would make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And it makes you look at other people who are connected to him um it makes you look at them much different this next question is from riley jackson it says hi troy first of all congratulations on your 200th 200th episode i'm so happy i found you through the original doll collab you did with eat pray britney earlier this year i've gone through almost every episode since then and i appreciate hearing your perspective especially as a pop slash r&b diva obsessed 22 year old I love learning from someone like you who does the deep dives and knows what they're talking about. Anyways, I know you probably get requests all the time, but as a massive Janet stan, I would absolutely love if you eventually did a multi-part series on her, kind of like the Christina one that you did. 
There's honestly so much to discuss with all she's been through throughout her life and career. If not a complete series, an, uh, an album deep dive would just be amazing. The Velvet Rope, possibly her most personal album, her having the red hair before Loud Era Rihanna, iconic. The mystery behind the speakerphone interlude, was that Lisa Marie Presley talking on the phone, talking or one of her dancers? And most importantly, the iconic visuals and tour that went along with it. Truly a masterpiece. Either way, we need the, the Janet Demita Joe Jackson content. But seriously, thank you so much for putting all this work into the podcast. It really brings me a lot of joy. I can't wait for what you have in store in the future. Thanks, Riley. That's nice. Um, oh my God, are you kidding me? I love Janet. You guys know how I feel about Janet Jackson. And... I've wanted to do a Janet deep dive for so long, but I'm like, it's one of those ones that I just, I got to work myself up to because it just seems so overwhelming. You know, I feel so overwhelmed by the thought because there's so much to talk about. Like every five years of Janet Jackson's life is fucking insane for like 40 straight years. And I don't know. I just have such an emotional attachment to that family. I could see myself going really like that would turn into a 15 part series. You know what I mean? But I'm open to it for sure. And maybe in the meantime, a nice ease into that would be a Janet album review, a deep dive on because I, oh God, I just love her so much. And it honestly, I do sort of feel like a weird responsibility to do that having this podcast because I know that a lot of people, a lot of younger people listen to this podcast, which is cool. And it makes me sad that there's a generation of people who don't know that Janet was the Black Madonna. Like, Janet was Madonna's contemporary without any question. Janet and Madonna were the two women releasing the most boundary-pushing, like, mainstream pop music for a really long time. So, yeah, I would love that. And thank you for all those compliments. That was a really sweet question. These next questions are all just going to be rapid fire ones that you guys asked from my Instagram story. So I'm just going to kind of run down these and um, knock them out. There's a lot to go through and some of them are really, really good. This first one is from Sissy That Pod, which um, I just recently did an episode of Sissy That Pod with them. Uh, We did the American Horror Story episode of Drag Race, which was super fun. That was a really, really fun recording experience. And the question is, is Billy doing for the 20s what Gaga did for the 10s and what Britney did for the 2000s? I'm going to say no. (laughs) I'm going to say the answer is no. Unfortunately, I don't think that you can be famous the way Britney was in the 2000s or the way Gaga was in the 10s. I just don't think that that kind of celebrity exists anymore. And as successful as Billy's first album, her first real album was, I just... I'm anxious to see what happens with Billy's career. I feel like we're in this place right now where we like really quickly want to give people like icon status, you know, and I do think there's a million people that you could compare Billy to, but I think it's a little bit too soon. And I know that she's one of those people. I feel like there's like a, (laughs) there's like a hall of fame of people who have won so many Grammys that they take, you know, those Grammy pictures where they hold them in their arms and they like can't carry them all. That's very Billy and good for her. Um, but I'm still anxious to see, like, beyond having one big massive moment, like, what does Billie Eilish look like as a long-term celebrity? The The minute she tried to rebrand herself, everybody lost their shit and turned on her. <laughs> and there were other things going on with that, obviously, but, like, I don't know. I just think it's too it's too soon to tell. You know what I mean? This next question is from Vic Vinegar. It says, was Kaler a real thing? Um, So ironically, I just recorded a, like, I mean, it has to be an hour and 30 minute episode with Kelly about Kaler. Um, You guys know that as a Taylor Swift, I am a self-proclaimed Taylor Swift poser. I am the worst of the worst. I came in at 1989, her poppiest album, I went back and listened to her old albums, but, like, I'm a 1989 forward Taylor Swift fan. I'm literally the worst. And I used to hate her, and now I'm obsessed with her, and now I'm, like, a Swifty, and it's a whole thing. So I don't feel like I have the—I don't have, like, the the knowledge of Taylor's life the way that Kelly does. Kelly knows—I mean, Kel- Taylor is her Britney. She knows 
everything about her. So we did a Kaler episode where she told me all the things. My brain literally melted and fell out of my right ear. I was so shocked by everything she was telling me. I've now gone back and re-listened to the Lover album and I've re-listened to Reputation and I see all these songs in a different light. So if you care about, sorry, there's a 5150 going by. If you care about that, um, that episode should actually be up really soon. It was really, really, really fun to record and um, yeah, long live Kaler, <laughs> whatever. This question is from Barth Creative. She said, one thing you would bring back from the 2000s, this answer never changes for me, it's the T-Mobile Sidekick. Um, the T-Mobile Sidekick was the most life-changing communication device I've ever owned, even to this day. Um, the keyboard was incredible, the screen was magnificent. Uh, I mean, having AOL Instant Messenger on your phone was insane. It was honestly, it was groundbreaking. It was a groundbreaking experience. It made me feel like I was a part of something as a teenager. Seeing Lindsay Lohan and, you know, uh, Samantha Mumba show up on red carpets flipping the phone that I owned. Like, it was a real moment for me. And I always knew when I pulled out my phone in front of new groups of people that they would be, you know, blown away by it. And I really liked walking around with that power. So... Yeah, the T-Mobile sidekick is without any question. It will always be the answer to this question. This next one is from Anna Zek. It says, Dark, but how do you think Britney has survived all of this? I know that I would have offed myself. I mean, I think that that's something that everybody wonders is like, how the fuck has she lived in captivity for this long and still finds, somehow finds a way to be like humble and nice and uh, very sweet and down to earth and respectful um, Brittany is incredibly resilient. She's never necessarily had an easy life. Even at the peak of her success and the peak of her fame, she was treated terribly by the media. And, you know, she didn't travel with her parents or her family. She was always just with Felicia or she was alone. So she basically managed herself in many ways. And, you know, when she would do these press conferences and these interviews and stuff and be asked about her virginity and her boobs and all this stuff, she would handle it on her own. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't, when you look back at those press conferences where people are asking her if she's had sex yet or if she's still a virgin, there's no person on the side of her like telling them that that's inappropriate or whatever. It's her just sort of handling it herself. She's really resilient. She handled all of 2007 basically alone. And that's just who she's always been. I think that she... I honestly think that she sticks it out for her kids. I think, you know, I, I just recently rewatched, um, I was watching like uh, a body language expert on YouTube talk about Jamie Lynn handing that award to her during that infamous award show where she performed Till the World Ends. And there's a moment where she looks out into the audience and says, you know, she thanks her, her kids and says, you guys are the reason my heart beats. And I genuinely believe that. I think they're the reason that she's still alive. And yeah, she's just a resilient, tough, fucking Xena warrior princess bitch. This question is from Sabo Kanakan. I hope that I'm saying your name right. Um, favorite doomed child actor. I'm gonna have to say Macaulay Culkin because Macaulay Culkin had a really, really big impact on me as a kid. Like I really just for whatever reason, like, I just saw myself in him. I don't know why or what it was, or I don't know. I just really idolized him. I looked up to him a lot. I thought he was really cool. I wanted to be him. You know, he was probably my first ever, like, idol, if you will. And I just remember as a kid learning that he had, like, a tough life and that his parents were really mean. And I learned about emancipation because of him and... You know, I, I sort of learned what it meant to be a child star through Macaulay Culkin. So for that reason, he'll always have a really special place in my heart. I'm also remembering now that Party Monster came out or like had a real big moment when I was in college. We were all obsessed with Party Monster. We would listen to the Party Monster soundtrack to get drunk all the time. And, you know, the fact that he was this major part of my childhood and then in college when I was a little bit older, he had like resurfaced in this really major way and I was also just like party monster Macaulay Culkin is like 
Chef's Kiss. Like, it doesn't get more beautiful than Party Monster Macaulay Culkin. My God. So, yeah, I'll always have a very, very special place in my heart for him. This next question is from Jay Jerky. It says, rank Fiona Apple's albums. Um, I can tell you right now, Jay Jerky, that I cannot do that. I will not be doing that for you on this good evening because it just, I'll be here until tomorrow. Like, I, I could never possibly do that. They all hold such a special place in my heart. But I will say, title, I think, is one of the best albums of all time. It is, it just is so much my childhood. Like, title is so much. I, mean, I think that title was one of the first albums that I remember as a kid listening to and being really, really affected by the lyrics. I think it was one of the first albums that I remember, like, just listening to the lyrics and being like, whoa, like, this shit is deep as fuck. You know what I mean? And it really introduced me to so many adult themes and adult concepts and um, just all kinds of things. Like, you know, Fiona Apple is the original Girl Interrupted. And I was just, I can't even put into words how obsessed I was with her as a child. Um, so I could never, I can't rank her albums because they all just mean so much from title to fetch the bolt cutters to when the pawn hits like extraordinary machine. They're all so fucking good. And the great thing about Fiona is that she releases albums completely at her own. I mean, she does it for herself, for nobody else. She doesn't care if you like them. You know what I mean? She doesn't care if you listen to them, but we all just so happen to be obsessed with everything she puts out and I think it's so special that she released Fetch the Bolt Cutters right at the beginning of quarantine for me that album will always represent that very specific very weird time period and listening to those songs and feeling so like seen and heard by what she was saying like I literally and I'm I kid you not and I'm not saying this to be dramatic I wept listening to that album I danced I wept I had a yaya sisterhood moment in my living room by myself like covered in scarves with a tambourine like rocking my hips to and from under the moonlight I really honestly had an emo a very visceral reaction to fetch the bolt cutters and this, what's happening right now, is the exact reason I can't rank Fiona's albums. We'll, we'll be here until the cows come home. But I appreciate the question. I hope that this kind of answered it. This question is from Nobody's Business 2019. It says, why don't you ever mention Rihanna when you talk about pop stars? I don't know why I don't mention Rihanna more because she lives at the forefront of my brain pretty much all day. Like, when I think of Rihanna's career in a nutshell, the most psychotic thing to me is that she's never really had a miss ever rihanna's never released a flop album she's never had a shitty single like from the very start up until now rihanna has pretty much hit everything she's ever done out of the park and of course you can look back on those early years of her career and be like that was a mess but like it was of the time it wasn't a mess then you know, seeing Rihanna in a pair of, like, low-rise LEI boyfriend jeans with a little <laughs> with a little belly chain around her belly. I mean, in a fedora. It's cringe, but it was of the time. And, you know, I think the most interesting thing about Rihanna is that she sort of created her own subcategory of pop star, you know? Instead of taking the, what at the time had become a cliche route of, like, I'm going to reinvent myself and be sexier, like the Britney route. You know what I mean? Like Mickey Mouse Club to Slave for You, I'm sexy now, I talk about sex, look at my body, the whole gig. Rihanna took it a step further and said, I'm edgy now. Is that okay with you? Like, I'm edgy, look at my haircut. Can we, there's just, it's so layered. Actually, you know what? I would really love to do a Rihanna series. I would love to do a Rihanna from the beginning to the end, a whole Rihanna moment I think would be really fun the way that we did Christina. So I'm going to mark that down. Obviously, I have a lot to say about Rihanna um, because my chest just puffed out when I read your question. And yeah, like consider it done. This next question is from Emma Beck, 73. It says, what are your thoughts on Sam? Was he hired to be Britney's boyfriend? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so my thoughts on Sam haven't really wavered that much, to be honest with you, since the beginning. 
I don't know how anybody can look at Sam, especially if you at one point were a fan of the show Gigolos. If you have any understanding of the website, the website Cowboys for Angels, I don't understand how anybody can look at Sam and think that he's just some sweet guy she met. Like, I just don't buy it. I think that Sam is re- obviously really, really fucking strong and tough to be going through all of this with her. I think that he obviously cares about her a lot. And I think that it's genuine. And I don't think he's a bad person. But I also think he's human and loves the attention that he gets from being in this relationship. He's one of the most sought after voices in the world right now because he knows everything and he has to know that. You know what I mean? And I I just think that there's an element of the whole Sam gig where it's like, He really likes to be famous. And I think that sometimes some of the weird shit he does is shady and weird. Like, I thought it was weird that he posted that video of Britney singing Lonely in her car. And he was like, it felt like he was like secretly recording it. And then he deleted it. Like, I just think he's a weird guy. But, um, and and I also, I don't think that Britney is allowed to just, for in the past 13 years, Britney hasn't been, you know, allowed... It's not like she goes to a bar and, like, meets guys. Like, men are sort of brought into her life. She's introduced to men that are deemed appropriate. This is a girl who isn't allowed to swipe her debit card at Starbucks. She's not on, like, Match.com. You know what I mean? She's not swiping right. Like, of course, I think that there's an element of contract involved in her relationships. It's just undeniable. And it's not shade. I think that Sam, like I said, seems like a nice guy. But yeah, like, I think that he's, he was brought in. You know what I mean? Jamie doesn't just let her date people that he doesn't approve of. I don't know. It's, it, the whole thing is fucking weird. But also good for her that she's in a relationship with a literal human sex doll. He looks like, (laughs) he looks like he was created by God specifically with the intention of sex. He looks like a a romance novel cover. I mean, it's ridiculous. So good for her. This is another question from mbeck73. It says, who is your favorite from the Kardashian-Jenner family? Um, I have always been a Courtney girl. I will always be a Courtney girl. I think that Courtney is actually weirdly the most interesting Kardashian because she just doesn't give a shit about being one. And that makes her the most interesting. I think she's the best style. I love the way Courtney dresses. I feel the most connected to her in that way. Um, I just, I think, and she's fucking hysterical. Like, Courtney is so funny. She's easily the funniest Kardashian, whether she's trying to be or not. In many ways, I think Courtney is the only Kardashian Jenner who views her family the way we do. Like, I think that the rest of them are so in it that they can't see outside of it. But Courtney, on the other hand, because she feels outside of it and she feels forced to be a part of it, I think she views it in a way that is very similar to how we view it. And like that to me is also very interesting. I just think Courtney's the most interesting Kardashian. And, you know, I think to watch the transition for Chloe to see how she's sort of been, you know, taken down to the sunken place and now Chloe is completely unrecognizable in all ways. Um, it's interesting when you look at Courtney and she's been able to like, not only be herself this whole time, but it feels like she's become more and more of herself, her true authentic self, the more famous they become. She's the only one in the family who seems to just every year lean more and more into who she is. She's never tried to be somebody else. Like she's just, Courtney's cool. Courtney, Courtney passes the vibe check always. Okay, this next question is from Tay Jean Genie. It says, what's the first Britney song you're playing to celebrate when she's finally free? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, It would probably be something from the Britney album because that's where my head is right now. I've been listening to the Britney album a lot. It's my current favorite Britney album. Huh? Um, A personal favorite. You guys know that I love That's Where You Take Me. Like, I live for that song. Um... And that's just, like, a personal selfish thing. But I guess, like, it would have to be lonely, especially now, you know? To know that Britney has any sort of emotional attachment to that song at all, 
really changed my entire perspective in life. I already loved that song, but now the lyrical content, knowing that she, like, you know, Britney wrote that song and, you know, it's, it's, it would probably be lonely for sure. I'm excited to answer this question. It's from, uh, uh, Perry Henuler. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know how to read your name, gal. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on JLo and Ben getting back together. Well, I have many thoughts. I've been wanting to talk about this. First of all, do I believe that this is like a real relationship? I don't know. But I do kind of believe the theory that Jennifer Lopez is doing this, like that this is being done for a music video. It just makes sense because it's so heavy handed that if it's not for a music video, I'm going to jump out of my window because I, I, I can't survive the cringe of of it all if this is supposed to be real. Like, it's just so heavy handed and it's heavy handed in a way that feels beneath Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck, it's almost giving, like, it's giving Dortney, if you want the honest truth. Like, it's giving very much Courtney Stodden being flipped around by Doug at the pumpkin patch. Like, it really is. It's really heavy-handed. It's very D-list. It's very surreal life. I'm just like, what are you guys doing? But if this is for a music video, if this is for the anniversary of Jenny from the Block, like, I'm, I'm willing to accept that. But... I'm I'm completely unwilling to accept that this is real. It's absurd. And I honestly just don't really care. It for me it just doesn't give what it I thought it would give. All these years I thought, God, what would it look like if Jennifer Lopez got back with like one of her biggest relationships because they were so iconic? Like, what if she dated Diddy again or something, you know? It's not giving. It's really not giving. Like I don't give a fuck. I honestly don't care. So that's where I am with it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, we're at 50 minutes and I think that we have gone through a good amount of questions. I just want to say thank you guys, not only for sending these questions in, but also, again, just thanks for sticking by me for four years. Some of you are newer listeners and I'm happy that you found me. And some of you are people that I recognize literally from the first week of me having a podcast. So I appreciate you so much. I do want to stop talking. I'm sure you can tell. I want to be done. But I love you guys. Thank you for the questions. Um, I think that we're going to go back to doing girl group stuff next week. I think. I'm not sure yet. Don't quote me. I might want to do some kind of weird. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I shouldn't have even said anything. But I will see you next week. I love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew.